0: So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. Welcome to the Think Bold Be Bold Show with Christopher Cumbie and Alan Witch.
2: Hi, it's Christopher Cumbie with Think Bold Be Bold, always with my awesome co-host, Alan Witch. Alan's in the house.
0: I'm in the house, Chris, having a great cold Wednesday, but sunny Wednesday. How about you? I know it's always sunny there and it's probably still warm there too.
2: That's incredibly warm uh, for yeah. this time of year. Uh, but you know, it's not, un, it's not unusual. Uh, this time of year going through December, I mean, our coldest month down here on the panhandle is, you know, unequivocally February. So right up until then, you know, we're in the 60s, 70s. Um, and it, you know, sometimes we'll get through February and it'll just roll right into summer. So it's, it's just one of those things that nice. Get, so. You probably
0: have shorts and a t-shirt on. I think I've got three layers of clothes on right now.
2: Um, I have been in shorts and t-shirt, no doubt, uh, in the last uh, several weeks. But today, doing some video, I'll be coming live on Facebook later on, um, you know, to show the background here and, and what we're up to with uh, Bobby Wagner. Um, and, uh, it'll be, uh, it'll be something fun. But, you know, this show today, I, I'm excited, Alan. Uh, it's someone that obviously, um, you, uh, you had come on and, and I can't wait to, uh, to have some, you know, great questions, understand that journey, but why don't we just get rolling right into it?
0: Excellent. No, I think it's a, I think mean, that's a great idea. We get a chance to have an awful lot of people on the show. And of course we get to pick everybody that's on the show. Um, some are, are. Referred to us, and some of them are um, well. A lot of them are, are referred to us, and some come knocking on the door. But uh, others we get to uh, get to handpick, and today's handpicked. And I'm uh, I'm excited to have this gal on, and uh, she's a, a friend of the family uh, through our daughter she's uh the realtor that worked with our daughter that found our daughter her first house and it was a unique experience not working with her just experience of trying to find a house in portland that wasn't uh, astronomically priced uh you know there that you you could get a a a wagon with a tent for about 200 grand here so anything better than that is going to be a little bit more expensive so Kind of kidding kind of not but that's kind of the uh, the real estate market here in Portland Oregon and it is quite competitive uh, more buyers than houses and we're so close to California that uh, and no offense to the Californians but they come up and they buy, a lot of them buy with cash and it's making it very difficult for a lot of the people here that live here to be able to find a home good problem to have because there's lots of lots of solutions to those problems but uh, having having somebody that, uh, that that knows the industry and knows that area and has tenure and understands the process from the ground up because they've lived in it is uh is, is icing on the cake and uh, so our, our guest comes from comes from that background comes from a house of uh realtors and uh contractors so Uh, you know, just as comfortable banging a nail as, uh, you know, signing a document and uh, very successful at doing that. And it's a family run business. And I love family run businesses because they got to level up. There's no time for BS. They've got to be able to make it happen. And uh, this is something that's been passed down from uh, a couple of generations. And so I'm excited to bring on today Claire Paris of Paris Realty. Claire, welcome to the Think Bold, Be Bold podcast show
1: thanks so much for having me guys. I'm really excited about today.
2: I am as well Claire. welcome. welcome to our crazy show. so let's get started Claire. I'm going to ask you a question yeah. to you know help the audience understand that journey you know obviously um, you know your business sounds like it was uh, you know in the family for a while and um you know tell us about that you know you know how you got involved in uh real estate for one but you know what it's like to be an entrepreneur because you know we have a lot of our audience that um are either you know well i believe everybody's a salesperson, but we do have sales people that are you know obviously entrepreneurs running their show by themselves they also have you know employees um and then we've got you know big uh, big companies uh, listening in as well um from you know ceo perspective uh, but i truly believe that you know, journey of building uh, things like a business, uh, whatever that business is, service or product, um, you know, has its own adversities, challenges, things that happen, and we all have that unique story along that journey as well. And you know, I always like to start off the shows by understanding what your journey looked like, and um, you know, where you uh, where you came from, from through that, and where you are now, and and you know, specifically, and this is a three part, where you're going. You know, what does that look like? You know, what's uh on the horizon um, you know, for you and your and your business?
1: Gotcha. So I um actually graduated from college a long, long time ago, a couple well now. Yeah, like four years like ago. Twenty <laughs> five years ago.
2: Oh, so you're just a spring chicken. I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just a spring chicken, and um, it was a liberal arts degree, and, you know, you graduate with a liberal arts degree, and you're like, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do with my life, and um, the insurance company was hiring, and they were paying a huge amount of money at the time, which seemed like a huge amount of money to me. It was $27,000 a year, and I had a bunch of student loan debt, and I thought, oh, this is the best I'm going to be able to do, so I was in the insurance company. Um, industry doing claims for 10 years, um, and my mom the whole time kept saying, you really need to quit and become a real estate agent, and of course I wouldn't listen, but eventually um, the the office that I worked at ended up actually shuttering the doors and moving up to Seattle, and um, they gave me a severance package, and my mom was like, now are you ready to listen to me? And I said, <laughs> all right, fine. <laughs> so I got my real estate license, and the first um, year I sold six houses, so... It was slow. It was hard. Um, I had two other jobs while I was doing that. I was working in a restaurant um, trying to make ends meet. I had roommates in my house to help me pay for my mortgage. Um, yeah, it was hard and then I got my license in 2004 so I had a couple of decent years. I started doubling my business usually almost every year but then 2008 happened and we all know what uh-huh. that was like in the real estate industry <laughs> and um i remember a moment my my office was mostly in my home so i had a, a little home office that i worked out of mostly and i um remember looking at the wall and just being like i don't know how i'm going to pay my bills and what do i do do i just give up or do i double down and And I just got to this point where, you know, it's kind of like you can feel it in the depth of your stomach. And I was just like, you know what? I'm doing it. I don't care what it takes. No matter what, I'm going to get this and make this successful. And from then on, I just, you know, it's it's that thing about being an entrepreneur where you have the moments where, like this, where I'm like, gosh, I have accomplished a few things in my life. And then you have the other moments where you're... Taking out the trash at six o'clock and like <laughs> clean in the office because nobody else will bother to do it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's really we can all glamorous. relate
0: to that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but that's sort of the short and long of it. Um, I have well, I went from a sole proprietorship to now I have I have a um, unusual way of doing business. Most real estate agents try to avoid having employees and. I decided early on that I wanted to give a good wage and have people stick around and um, be able to control the um, output for many reasons. So I pay um, employees actual hourly wage and health insurance and benefits, and um, and it's unusual. I don't think I've come across really anyone else that does that. Most of them hire virtual assistants that are mostly based in the Philippines, so mm-hmm. it's... um. Been an unusual um, model, but it seems to be working for me. So we'll see.
2: Beautiful.
0: And, and then
1: future? I don't know. I, I I'm hoping to be the king of <laughs> Portland real estate. <laughs> whatever that means.
2: <laughs> right. Whatever that means.
1: Gotta, no, but
2: I got something you um, um you, you know interesting. You said you know it was it was something you said. Uh, you know I'm gonna double down. You know, I'm a true believer that, you know, when you have that um, attitude, because that's really what it was, it was an attitude that, you know, listen, I i am positive I can do this. I know in my heart, it's something telling me, and I am positive I can do this. And that, you know, sounds like it was a great decision.
1: It's funny, It's, um, it doesn't feel like it at the time, though, and that's the thing that I sure. like to stress to people when I talk to them about this, because I think people especially when they're in that position i mean i remember the sheer terror of being like there's i don't know if i can do this and then you know it was that sort of wellspring of energy of just saying i am going to do this at at all costs no matter what and so it wasn't necessarily that i actually believed i could do it it was just i'm going to put every last breath of energy i have into this and know that i did everything i could have to try and make it work
2: right Right. Yeah. And they, and and fail on your own um terms. Yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um yeah, I have a well I have a coach occasionally. I um use Brian Buffini. who's a um uh he's a pretty well known real estate coach in the in the industry and he um does these sort of online trainings that I do like once a year just to kind of get myself fired up and refocused. And um, he tells this story, and I have no idea, you know, the names or any of the, the stuff that would make it impressive, but he talks about um, a younger guy coming to an older guy who's got a successful business, and, you know, the um, older guy agrees to mentor the younger guy, and so the guy says, okay, show up at the um, ocean with me tomorrow on the boardwalk, and, and I'll, I'll start showing you the ropes. So, he shows up in his finest suit and his nicely shined shoes, and he meets the mentor. And the mentor um, walks out onto the beach and he follows them, And they're going out, and he starts to take off his shoes and gets in the water. And he's like, "Come on, are you coming along?" And so the guy takes off his shoes, follows him in the water. He, they keep wading further and further out, and the the kid is like what in the heck are we doing I don't understand this doesn't make any sense why are we out here and the mentor won't say anything and he just keeps wading further and further and further out into the water and then they get out into the water that's almost above their heads and the mentor holds the guy underwater and he starts fighting and and spitting and finally gets the guy off of him and he's like what are you doing and the guy's like when you want it as badly as you want it to breathe, then you will succeed.
2: Love that story. It's a great story and it's so true. It's an, a magnificent obsession, um, you know, I truly believe. And if you, you know, follow Napoleon Hill and, you know, his books, Think and Grow Rich and, you know, 16 Lessons in, in Success, um, he talks about that. It needs to be a magnificent obsession and you'll, you'll, you, you want it so bad um and you'll do anything uh to keep it alive and and you'll pivot along that way and that's what we have to do as entrepreneurs is pivot you know we'll always learn into things
0: alan what do we have for claire it's such a great story so far you know we talk about um passion right we talk about uh things that are important to us and i think there's there's way too much uh emphasis put early on, on an entrepreneur to find something that is economically sound through the eyes of others. And what that does, I think, is that it, it really separates someone from their dream or their passion or their genius zone. And I think everybody has that. I think everybody has something that they're really, really good at, that they're really, really like, but they may or may not believe that they can make a living doing it. And there's always going to be somebody that wants to know your genius and what you do. So there's never any competition. There's always going to be a value. But I think a lot of people don't see that. But I like the fact that, uh, Claire, that that you decided early on that that it's going to come, you know, hell or high water, you're going to make this happen. But I'm going to go back a little bit here to what you talked about, uh, about the way you run your office. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this off, uh, off mic because uh, you and I are going to chat and have some coffee and get to know each other a little bit better. Uh, but I want to know what, what in you flipped that switch to be able to say we're going to be different. We're going to run our office. We're going to run this establishment different than the other realtor offices. Now, whether or not you did it in spite of the other realtor offices or what, what was the key that made you want to bring these people on as families, as employees, and, and, and as a caretaker for them as opposed to independent contractors, which is fairly normal in the industry?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it, it, much like what you're talking about, it kind of just naturally flowed. I mean, it, Um, So my business, it's me, my mom, my sister. We're the three principals in the business. And uh, my mom got her real estate license and started her real estate company to sell my dad's um, houses. He used to build spec homes. So um, it's always been, you know, our name is on the door. It's our name on the line. And, I mean, really, that's always what it is in real estate. But when it's just your personal family business, it just means so much more. And as a... um, I always wanted my clients to feel like they were taken care of and that they could rely on me. And, and it just seemed natural that my employees should feel the same way because I wanted them to impart the same sort of, um, ethos to the clients. And of course, how could they do that if they didn't feel like that was starting from the top?
0: So awesome. You've invested in them before they put their foot on the ground. And I think that's, that's a key thing. And, and, uh, you're talking about building a a tribe and a team of people that uh, you can take with you, and if you decide to do something a little bit different in real estate, my guess is this team has got a good chance of following you, and uh, that that's a that's a nice thing to see in a in a commission based industry where it usually is independence and it usually is contractor uh, type contract driven. Uh, It's good to see that there's a a family mentality because when in residential real estate, you're working with families, you're working with with people that already have that mentality and that feeling. And so if your establishment has that feeling also, then there's instant harmony, whether or not that was part of the design, it is part of the benefit. And I know that uh, our daughter was able to experience that right off the bat. Um, and that and that that was important to her.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's funny. I have to. I mean, I wish I could say it was an intentional and that like I made a just dis- business plan and that was like the grand idea. But it was just, it just naturally flowed from what we I knew about um, real estate and how I wanted to approach it and just how it's been approached for me. And I mean, for me, like real estate is transformative in that for most people it's the biggest investment they're going to make and it can be a great stepstone for them to be able to gain financial um, stability and independence in a way that you just can't do when you're, you know, punching a clock every day. So, I, yeah, it's it's something I believe in um, pretty strongly, and I um, like to help other people uh, gain a hold.
0: Well, that's definitely apparent. But I got, I got another question for you. Chris, I'm going to keep interjecting here if you don't mind. Um, Real quick question, and, and something that we ask uh, just about everybody that comes on the show, and the, the question is relevant regardless of the industry, because I think things are changing really fast. We've got an industry of, of real estate here that's, that's it's morphing into a, a completely different animal. What do you see um, in the next 36 months, 36 to 48 months, in the real estate market just here on the west coast what do you see what changes do you see on on the horizon
1: yeah that is a very intriguing question and i um i don't know alan i i mean i have all kinds of theories but i really don't know what's gonna happen (laughs) zillow's been trying to take over um realtor.com which is our uh, the national association of real estate agents um are realtors they pay money for a, a political action committee and they came up with this um, website to try and fight Zillow, but it's doing okay, but it's still not Zillow. And then, you know, there's um, cheaper cut rate um, brokerages like Redfin um, where they're not paying people commissions. They're just giving them a salary and they kind of parse out all the different pieces of the transaction. So, I don't know. I'm not sure what is actually going to float to the top. It's going to be very interesting to see.
0: Well, it sounds like maybe the industry is being bastardized a little bit, cut apart and 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 shipped overseas, so to speak. Uh instead of it all being, <clears throat> pardon me, in in-house like what you're doing, it yeah. sounds like maybe that that cavern's getting bigger between those that are going to hunker down and make it a a family and a business commitment to those that are going to piece and parcel off um others. Yeah. Is is that is that a fair analogy?
1: Yeah, most definitely.
0: So what's that mean to the to the home buyer? Is that is there is there any any
1: you anything know, it's just new that a home buyers the...
0: have to worry about?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's fascinating to me because I mean, I think especially just in business in general, you have to figure out who your demographic is and and why, um, and I'm obviously not for everyone i I firmly believe there's somebody out there for everybody, but you know you can't be everything to everyone and i um, for me, the most important thing is customer service and taking care of my clients and helping them understand why they're making the decisions that they're making, but some people don't it doesn't jive with what they're looking for, so I think there's a lot of people out there that are super motivated by price, and obviously Redfin and, you know, um, cheaper brokerages can do that for them, and, and that's great. I mean, it's good to have choice and have um, what people need, but um, especially in real estate, it's so sophisticated, and it's getting more and more difficult. and. Um, with the Dodd-Frank Act, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that's um, now the law that has to happen that people aren't aware of. You know, you don't do that a real estate transaction that often. You know, it, most people, it's once every seven years. And so it changes a lot in seven years. The biggest thing I'd say, at least that I've seen in the last two years, is DocuSign, which is electronic signatures, we used to actually have to drive to someone's house and actually meet them in person and get them to sign paperwork, and now it's all just online, easy electronic signature, which I think can really make the um, people feel like they don't know what's going on and it's too easy almost um, to do something that should feel like it has some gravity. I mean, you're you're signing your life away for 30 years for a significant sum of money it should be something you have to at least think about
0: well yeah you're in, in, <clears throat> not you but the industry is creating a disassociation there's a lot, you know, technologies allow that to happen, and there's a lot of great things with technology. But this, you know, uh, real estate's an emotional buy. Unless you're an investor, then I would say it's probably yeah. less. It's more about the in, end game. But for most people, it's it's an emotional buy or or an emotional lease. But it's an emotional decision, and they want it. You know, you want feet on the ground. You want an eyeball to eyeball. And I think yeah. a lot of people, from what I'm hearing you saying, are are escaping from that. Uh, because there is competition, trying to figure out a way to make more by doing less as opposed to doing more to create more.
1: Yep, exactly. Just trying to, I, really, it's just kind of like an a factory approach of just trying to put them on a line and move them as fast as you can, which obviously is the opposite of what I'm doing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so um, with that said, how are you letting people know that you're different? What's your game plan, what's your what's your, your voice?
1: Yeah, we do a lot of things um, differently. I um, actually met with, uh, I was on a panel last week interestingly and I talked to a bunch of other real estate agents and it, in that instance I always feel like, oh wow, this is really different. <laughs> I didn't realize how different it was until I see what everyone else is doing. Um, it's just I mean from the very first time that I meet somebody, usually people um you know think that they have to they they want to meet at a house and get the process started and so I usually meet um for coffee initially to kind of explain the process and what you're gonna expect and like what the thing what the lay of the land is gonna be and how this is all gonna work and from that first initial meeting, I try to help them understand that um My job is as a guide to help you make a good decision for your family's future um, and this is the way that we're going to do it and this is how this is all going to happen. So yeah, from the first to the last and then obviously I keep in touch with them, which I know that's hard to believe, but 80% of real estate agents, I guess, the National Association of Realtors spent our money... um, Looking and interviewing at people who had purchased in the last two years and um, they said what was the worst thing that or why why didn't you contact your real estate agent again when you went to buy or sell again and they said because they never heard from them again. (laughs) After the transaction they didn't talk to me (laughs) once after that.
2: Wow. Wow.
1: I mean, so it's think one about that. that. That's insane. That
2: is insane to me. You know, it sounds like in, you know, like you said, the importance of customer service allows you to stay in touch and, you know, I've been in sales for well over 25 years and you know, staying in front of a client is such an important aspect, whether you sold them already or, you know, you're continuing to prospect or, you know, you're working with them. um, But, you know, future sales and leaving that kind of money on the table is ridiculous. Uh, You know, leadership, you you, you said something (laughs) about customer service and, you know, I'd like to jump into leadership and, you know, obviously talking about how you manage out um, your team and keep them motivated. Um, Tell us about that. You know, Claire, uh, from your perspective, you know, looking at, you know, uh, you know, customer service is important. So, you know, how do you motivate your team around that? You know, and 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 maybe give some insight, um, whether there's real estate agents or sorry brokers on uh, on the on the show listening in, and you know, maybe struggling with some of those things. What what's some of the things that you do, in order to um, keep everybody very focused on that mission? Because it sounds like it's probably number one. And and it sounds like you do a great job because you're keeping in touch with people and that's part of, you know, the customer experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It is so difficult. Leadership does not. Well, I don't know. I don't feel like leadership comes very easily to me and it is hard to figure out how to pe- motivate people over and over again because I think mostly entrepreneurs and especially salespeople are like, they like to show up, they like to be the star and the hero and then just go away <laughs> and let somebody else deal with all of the details. I think that's kind of the natural personality of, of most salespeople and so the daily sort of like, what can I do to get you to do your job is kind of foreign to me because I'm just like well. I am paying you. That should be a motivator, but clearly that's not enough. Um, so I do all kinds of small, um, odd things. So we do um, sort of team building things, which are we have a weekly meeting, and I usually buy them lunch, and we sit around and kind of... Um, troubleshoot things and so I try to make them feel an ownership of the um, business themselves and take ownership of the problems and take responsibility for things and we'll spitball problems and come up with solutions and just I'll let them run with it instead of kind of um, uh, just constantly micromanaging them mm-hmm. and then I give them quick and um, immediate praise so in front of people um, so depending on their personality and who they are, I'll acknowledge them in front of the group and tell them what a great job they did. I give them coffee cards when they do things that are customer service related that are, you know, what I want to see and a little bit up over and above what they normally would have had to do. Um, and then I think I spend lots of time in the middle of the night thinking about their different personalities and what motivates them. Because when I originally started um, trying to assemble a team, I really consciously focused on finding people that were different than me because I knew if I found people different than me that I could cover the things that I don't like to do and hopefully find people that are good at doing the things that I don't really enjoy and that I'm not that great at. So, Right, true mastermind. Doing that... Yeah, so then doing that is like, okay, so what motivates Kate because she's not like me and the things that motivate me don't motivate her. So, trying to constantly put myself in somebody else's shoes and figure out like what's going to inspire them, it's it's hard, but it's also really exciting and fun.
0: Right.
2: Fantastic. Listen in, folks. Does that even
1: answer your question? Yeah, no,
2: it answers my question. It's fine. (laughs) You know, again, it's it's all about getting uh, little key tactics that can, you know, for our audience, especially listening in, uh, that might give them an epiphany about what they could be doing uh, to motivate, you know, especially in a leadership role um, where they do have employees, they need to keep them moving forward on the mission, you know, whatever that, you know, major mission or the vision of the company is, and I think it's important, and you know, as a, as a as a leader, you know, walk the talk. And it sounds like yeah. you, you know, have always done that so that, again, you know, the importance of customer experience. They come back. They, you know, they want to work with you. They know they had a great uh, experience with you. Um, and let's face it, 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 you know, people don't move all the time. But if you can have someone come back within, a you know, five, ten years, I mean, I think that's an incredible testament to what you do. Um, you know, because, you know, like I said, not everybody's selling and buying houses every day. So, you know, for them living in it for a while and then, you know, saying, Hey, you know, um, I'm here again. And, you know, it's seven years later, I, I think is, um, is a, is a wonderful experience for people and, and keeping in touch with them, uh, through touch points, um, newsletters, email, you know, phone calls, gifts, you know, I think, uh, a lot of times, um, people are missing that mark on, you know, using. You know, let's call it shock and awe packages, and something showing up on, you know, someone's doorstep a few few years later, even after the you know exchange of, of business was done, um, is underutilized, especially in that marketplace. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, you know, just a lot of times it's one and done. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I seventy percent of my business comes from referrals, so I mean, it's pretty astonishing. that, I mean, I have some people that have referred me fifteen and twenty clients, and like that is just amazing.
0: Yeah. Well that says a lot about you and your and your entire Bailiwick of 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 team and your entire environment. So kudos because I mean that you can't create. That has to just be. That's that's through somebody else seeing, you know, through through what you do. And uh you can't fabricate that. (laughs) Nothing you can do to to create that. That's gotta come from somebody else. So that's what so kudos. Well done. That's awesome.
1: It's pretty exciting.
0: I got I got uh a unique question that I, that I want to chat about and um i, I might even be stealing it from chris so chris sorry if i'm gonna, if i'm going to steal it from you there's um a number of actually i'm really not sorry um there's a a, a, a number of uh real estate i don't want to say tactics and that, and that's probably that's a bad word because i've already i've already planted that negative imprint and so i have to Suck that back out. Forget that word. No, um, tactics strateg- are, dead. <laughs> yeah. are good. Tactics Strat- are good. Tactics are good. Strategies. <laughs> that, uh, that talk about um, reimbursement, and what I mean by that is um, giving money back on a sale, like a little a little cash back on a sale uh, to somebody. Uh, to a home buyer, if uh, maybe if they use you or maybe if they use this particular process. And it's something that's fairly new in the marketplace. Um, I, I'm not sure if, that, if there's legalities involved in that or if it's a strategy involved in that. But uh cash back in, in or or benefit back, if you will, maybe that's a better term, is a quite common process in just about every industry, it seems, these days. It's not just good enough to get the deal. You want to get some cash back. You want to get something back for, for doing something. Is that something you're seeing as a as a big um uh characteristic in the Northwest market?
1: Not Well, not yet. Um, There are a couple of what I've seen so far is there's a couple of um, organizations like there's some union organizations and some employers that will do sort of incentivize the, um, the person to move or do whatever it is that they want them to do. And so by Um, incentivize, like say, I don't know, OHSU, which is a local hospital, move somebody here. um, They sometimes give them a kickback and not really, it's not called a kickback because of all of the RESPA guidelines. (laughs) I'm like, please don't have the HUD HUD investigators after me. Um, um, No
2: kickback. No kickback. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. They would pay some of the buyer's closing costs. That's usually the most typical way of giving um, people sort of a um, a kickback, if you want to call it that, cause for the sake of making it easy to understand. Um, sometimes what I... Um, have done in the past is like if a buyer and a seller are super far apart, um, There's so there's the first round of negotiations where you first get into contract where you say, hey, this is how much I'm willing to pay and this is how long it's going to take me to get my financing and these are the appliances in the house that I want, all of that fun stuff. Once you're in contract the um, in Oregon, you get to have a second round of negotiations based on your due diligence and what you find during the transaction. So normally, during that second round of negotiations, there's a bunch of going back and forth. And typically, in that time period, um, if the buyer and seller can't quite agree, sometimes the real estate agents will reduce their commissions and then thereby be able to pay closing costs for the buyer or seller at the closing. So that's often the easiest way I see that happen.
0: Gotcha. So can I get you on the record by saying that you're going to do that for me? Because I'm really looking for a house right now. So, no, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> it depends. We'll have to sit down and talk about it, Alan.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's give and take, Alan. It's give and take, brother.
0: <laughs> <laughs> your uh, I I, I want to follow I want to follow this up with, with with something else, but just because it happened, it happened to to our daughter, Katie. And I think it's happening everywhere. But we're talking about that 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 second round of negotiation. It's not just negotiation. It's because wh- it's what else can you do for me? Um,
1: yeah.
0: What I mean by that is a seller going, Mister Buyer, Missus Buyer, what else can you do for me? What else can you show me? Um, if it's a, if it's a bidding war or if they're just multiple things, what other benefit can you give me, show me, express to me that would make me want to choose you to sell my house to? Yeah. How much of is that, yep. is that playing a role in today's market?
1: I think we're starting to see it slow down a little bit, which I think is going to be a nice breather for most buyers. And, and it's that weird thing Where when people get a lot of power, sellers almost get more unrealistic when they have all of power, which is the opposite of what you would think it is. But when we get to a more neutral market, usually things run a a lot smoother because nobody's thinking that, you know, they have something that's worth a billion dollars. Um, But there's all kinds of tricks that I would do. And and the first thing obviously starts with a conversation with whoever the other agent is to find out um, what's motivating the seller because that's always the question obviously the price sometimes motivates the seller but sometimes there are other things especially in Portland where it's like I'm worried that um, my house that I owned for 25 years that I'm selling and I loved so much is going to be bought by a developer and and raised to the ground and build a high rise and you know there's a lot of people that don't want that so Mm -hmm. I've done all kinds of crazy tricks. I've had clients leave cupcakes on the doorsteps of sellers. I've had them write letters. I've had them um, do all kinds of hilarious fun things. But I think with interest rates starting to tick up like they are um, and, the, um, and us transitioning into a new presidency, there's just a lot of unknowns. So I think the market's going to start um, getting a little bit more realistic. So we'll see.
0: I hope so. Because Katie got her, our daughter Katie got our uh, got her class involved. And I'd like you to tell that story instead of me oh my telling gosh, that it story. It was the
1: cutest <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> it was seriously the cutest thing ever. So my nephew was in um, Alan's daughter's kindergarten class. And she had, when she was writing her um, offer for her um, property, she had the kids write letters <laughs> So I had, like, 30 letters to deliver to the seller in little kids' handwriting about why Ms. witch should get the
0: house. I don't <laughs> it know if that helped, cool it worked. but it was cool. It, it, it,
1: it, it was really cool. I think it did help. I really do. <laughs> I love
0: it. Oh, there's a lot of uniqueness, um, a lot of uniqueness going on. What one thing do you see coming down the the pike that uh, you think is going to change the industry?
1: That's a good question. I think it's – ironically, I think it's actually interest rates right now. I think that's going to get people to have to go back to basics and actually – um, work. I mean, when in 2007, it was just – I mean, at, at that point, it wasn't – our market currently, and I don't think even on a nationwide basis that our market isn't currently where it was in 2007, but in 2007, I really felt like I didn't have much value as a realtor because – I really felt like anybody could do my job. I mean, there was nothing to do. Loans were free and easy. You just had to sign your name and everything was simple. And it's starting to get to that point now, except loans are still really difficult to get. Um, I think we're going to have to, you know, have a return to actually working, (laughs) which is a
0: good thing. (laughs) What about the overvaluation of property?
1: Yeah, that's always the question. I don't, I'm not sure if Portland is actually overvalued at this point. Obviously, we'll see in six months if I'll be eating my words. But um, we have a bunch of people moving here. So I think they're, I don't know. Everybody you talk to has a different story. But I guess right now the projection is 115 people a day are moving to Portland, Oregon. So I don't <laughs> It's just crazy. Um with our urban growth boundary, which is um, our, it's artificially keeping um, prices high. But I also don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, and then, obviously, with interest rates still low, I think all of those things are still putting pressure on prices to stay high. Do
0: you? And I'm I'm just going to rattle off some of the questions. I know Chris is probably writing diligently. Uh, and jump in here, Chris, if you want me to shut up. <laughs> um, Yeah, he's asleep. So (laughs) (laughs) what with, with, I mean, you're. Asking all
2: the questions, I'm just going to sit back and how are you doing that? <laughs> yeah. i All right. I, I think I, everybody's I, going I, to Portland I, for, I, the it a hard one, for the pot. For the pot, yeah. So no. Everybody's going to Portland for the pot. Come on, they're driving in there. They're just going every day. It sounds like 115 <laughs> potheads to me. It um. is.
0: It, it is. It, it's absolutely <laughs> everywhere. It's everywhere. anybody can anybody can can sell it now. Oh, I think I'm going to get into actually making the oil. Just I'm going to throw that out there in the universe. And we'll just see what happens because that's where the big money is. There you go. Um, No, I coming from a background in architecture, and mine was all commercial architecture, not residential. uh, But there's a big change, especially in the Northwest, and I think a lot in Portland, going from multifamily to, or from single family to multifamily, and because of the influx of people coming in, do we really have the single family, you know, residents? Uh, schedule to be able to handle that or is it is it more gearing towards multifamily more towards condo and uh, uh, live work uh, spaces which what's your take on that at least for the northwest and I'm sorry for those yep. that are on the east coast but trends are trends and this is what's happening on the west coast
1: <laughs> so I mean you know, it is the typical thing that they're not making any more land, and as cities continue to expand, it gets tighter and tighter. And Portland, Portland's interesting. I was just recently at a um, uh, a show where they had a um, the head of HUD talking about housing in Portland, and he was like, "Oh, rents in Portland aren't that high." He's like, huh. "It takes in." Yeah, right. Listen to this. He's like, in Portland, you can work a minimum um, wage job for fifty-seven hours a week and still make rent. He's what? like, in where, where in Portland D. is he doing that? Yeah. In in Washington D.C., the um, yeah. it you, it would take you ninety-six hours a week to be able to afford the average rent at minimum wage. I mean, think about that. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. And he rattled off a few others, San Francisco, L.A., New York City, you know, all of those. And it's, I mean, he also talked about how our housing stock, most of our housing stock was built between 1920 and 1950. So they're all single-family homes on um, 50 by 100 uh, lots, which is about 0.1 of an acre lot. And so the city's trying to inspire people to um, to, to build density um, in a way that's actually manageable where they don't have to incentivize um, developers. So a lot of people are taking out second mortgages on their houses and building little mini houses in their backyards where they mm-hmm. can rent out um, properties so that they have a little bit of an income and they can def- you know um make their mortgage a little bit um easier and the city's doing all kinds of weird incentivizing that so they're they're giving you discounts on permits or they're waving completely waiving the system development charges and all kinds of stuff that's kind of interesting and also a little terrifying to tell you the truth so we'll see how this all plays out
0: <laughs> well i like the income the income property piece without having to to do the uh, you know the 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 big development and you know the tiny home uh, uh, what do you want to call it uh, it's a it's a I don't want to call it a yeah, fad
1: no it's called an no it's called <laughs> an it ADU but it's accessory yeah. dwelling, dwelling unit yeah unit, totally. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. But I think in the Northwest, we just, you know, we're, we're, we get lost in the woods with our Birkenstocks and, you know, we're picking mushrooms. So that's what the, that's yeah. what most of the world thinks of, of the of the West Coast. But uh, I, I do like that because not, not the picking mushrooms getting lost in the, in the woods. But I do like of the, of course,
1: eating. how could you not like that? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know, I, I don't have Birkenstocks, but I do wear socks with my sandals sometimes. Oops. I set that out there. That's going to be a bad thing. My daughter's not going to like that. But uh, I, I think having like, like with, uh, you know, people that are starting out with, you know, with a, with a new home and in prices are expensive and they may not, they, they're struggling to do that. So if they can have, you know, put a, a, you know, a tiny house on their property and get some subsidy to be able to take care of their, uh, their mortgage. And I think that's great. Uh, I think that there's some dilution that's happening to that. Um, I think if, if that gets too out of, out of out of whack then we've got a a much bigger economic problem to deal with but i think that's great to handle a small portion of a influx of people in our um yeah. in, our, in our you know in our state but that's my yeah. thought.
1: It's not Chris, gonna, it's not gonna handle 112 people a month. No, that's Or no. a day, that's for sure. Yeah.
0: No, no. there's there's no way. They're even building tiny communities, which I think is great. You go into a tiny community, and there may be three or four hundred of these houses, and that the layouts are really cool. I have to admit, they are really cool. I cannot live in a 110, 120 foot. Square foot house that's not going to happen for me um, but there are people that, that do want that maybe they're seasonal dwellers and they you know or maybe they're young and they want to travel whatever the case may be but that alone is not going to solve a problem uh, it accommodates yeah. which is unique and it adds to the to the glamour and the character of the northwest but it's not going to solve the problem
1: yeah No, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, they're building condos like they're going out of style, and then they're building apartment buildings because nobody could get financing for condos, so there's a lot of apartment buildings going up. But supposedly the projections are we're still going to be, um, we're still going to have a shortage of housing for like the next 20 years is what I read.
0: Oh, man. Moving to Washington.
1: (laughs) Definitely, they have less tax over there too. They do,
0: they do. I'm, I'm, seriously thinking about it. You know, I'm an Oregonian, but I may be moving to Washington. I don't know, Chris. Where should we take Paris next? Where should we take Claire next?
2: (laughs) We should take uh, Claire out for a bite to eat. (laughs) Um, for taking some time, and we really appreciate it. You know, the show goes so quick, uh, but I I think we still have some time to, to squeeze it in. A couple of questions, anyway um claire yeah tell our audience um you know maybe some inside tips on purchasing you know what should they know you know that when they're dealing with um uh a real estate agent you know what what are some of the things that they should be aware of you know and and maybe a new buyer maybe you know someone that has bought homes before uh what what's kind of some of the new things that they should you know be aware of
1: i um it is funny i have to tell you i was just so my brothers own a construction business so they've been around it their whole lives as well and we were just talking the other day because his girlfriend's dad is looking at selling one of his properties and He said, oh, I told um, them what your commission split is. He said, I told them that you'd charge two and a half, and she was really excited about that because the other agent said it was going to be more like um, four and a half. And I said, oh, um, Bill, the funny thing is, is she doesn't understand that the seller actually pays for both sides in a real estate transaction. He was like, there's no way she doesn't know that. And I was like, oh, yes, yes, she does not know that. Most people don't understand that. So the first, I mean, the first three things that are the most important three things I would say is um, understand as a buyer that you are not paying for your agent and you should find an agent that you feel comfortable with. It's going to represent you because you're not paying for it, the seller is. So if you go through the seller's agent, the seller's agent is not going to give you a discount. They're just going to get paid twice. Um, And then two, (laughs) I would say... Um, to find somebody that you jive with that feels comfortable because real estate, especially working um, on a, a transaction, trying to purchase your first home, it feels a lot like going to the doctor and asking them what that thing is on your foot. <laughs> <laughs> so you really need yeah, to feel comfortable talking to <laughs> Exactly. You really need to feel comfortable talking to them because it's um, they're intimate details and there's a lot of shame around um, finances and feeling like you're not good enough. And so it's important to find somebody you feel like you can trust and that you can have conversations that you're uncomfortable about. And then three, I would talk about um, the big thing, which I think – Most people don't understand, which is real estate's a pretty exciting and amazing investment because you can write it off, first off, and then secondly, You can leverage your money in a way that you can't in any other investments really in the world. So if I um, give you $10,000 to invest in the stock market, you get a 5% return on your investment on $10,000. If I give you $10,000 to invest in property, you get $300,000 of actual asset that appreciates at five percent a year plus all of the interest deductions. So for investors it's a pretty amazing way to build wealth and actually have financial security for your future. Awesome, thank How's you.
0: That? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I'm still writing. Keep going, Chris.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that um you know running a and let's get back to some Questions around you know being an entrepreneur. What is uh, one of your greatest adversities um, you know along the journey of building the company and and doing what you do, and and how did you get around it or how did you solve it? Um, what was the challenge? How'd you solve it?
1: Hmm. Uh, there have been so many. <laughs> Long I mean long. I told you a little <laughs> yeah, I told you a little bit about the first one where it was sure. like the downturn happened and I sure. didn't have any oh,
0: major uh, one money for everybody. coming in
1: and sure. Yeah, totally. Um, I think the other big sort of mistake or problem that I had was um I got to a point as a um an entrepreneur where I, I was a sole proprietor and I just was overwhelmed and I could tell that I was losing clients like I just wasn't getting back to people initially when as soon as I should have and so they were going with other agents and it's that weird nebulous feeling that when you don't know what it is at first you're not sure what's going on and so I took it I decided that I was going to hire somebody and I hired somebody it was just a friend of a friend that needed a job because I didn't know how to interview people and I didn't have the time because I was overwhelmed with work and I hired somebody and they were a terrible fit and I took way too long to to get rid of them and it was just bad, bad, bad (laughs) from the start to the finish and I wish I would have listened to myself sooner and just bit the bullet and fired her. And I just didn't have the gumption to do that. And it's something I still struggle with because it's hard for me to just be like, no, this isn't working and we need to stop it right now. And I think especially for salespeople, that's something they don't want to let go of what they've set, uh, you know, in their mind the way it's supposed to be. And, and then you just get down a road where you're like, we should not have gone this far down here. We're lost. we got to turn around.
2: Fail fast.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: get yep. get it uh, get it out of there quickly.
0: Well, I think the biggest thing too is when you've got a company, you know, the the company has got to come first fifty one percent of the time. Because if you don't have a, a a valid company or a solvent company, there is no opportunity for anybody in the company. And you know, I, I and I think a lot of people struggle with that. With you know, and that's kind of like putting the finance first. It it is and it isn't, but if you don't have a viable opportunity and a viable deal, it doesn't matter how many great people you have in there to run it. If if it's not solvent or can't be solvent, then it's not a good opportunity for anybody.
1: Yeah. Yep, totally, and I think the finance, the financial aspect, I think, is the least sexy part, personally. Obviously, I'm of a certain personality, but I think a lot of salespeople don't pay much attention to the finances and the um, expenses, but really, that's the most important part. If you don't have but, that managed, you can't have anything else.
0: Absolutely. I totally
1: agree. What you else do you have, Chris? Come on, hit me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's What's a your, uh, Yeah, well, okay, let's go. Let's go, <laughs> let's, let's pick go. it up. Let's pick up uh, the
0: base here. Right.
2: This, is, uh, this is a direct challenge, and I take them head on.
1: <laughs> Love it. What's your favorite book? Oh, gosh, that's a good one. I would say Malcolm Gladwell's *Link*.
2: Nice, nice. If you were going to um, a brand-new country, never been there, didn't research it, and um, were pretty much going in there blind, what is the one absolute thing that you would have with you for sure? A toothbrush. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah, right? No, (laughs) no No one would want to talk to you, right? <laughs> that's a good one. I like that one. I like that one. Um, what's your favorite my, quote?
1: My parents spent a lot of money on my teeth with orthodontics, so you <laughs> know that's the most
2: important uh, thing. Ah, there you go. There you go. It's kudos, mom and dad. Right? It's embedded in you. Take care of those teeth. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a good one. I love it. Uh, what's your favorite quote, Claire?
1: Whew. Um, the one I have on my um, wall is the, um, how do you spell, it? I, it's so funny, i don't never known how to pronounce it because I've only read it, but it's the, I think it's Goethe, G-O-E-T-H-E, the one that says, until one is committed, there's a hesitancy, the chance to draw back, always ineffective, um, boldness, boldness has genius, power, and magic in it, begin it now.
0: Love it, I love it boldness um i like boldness for sure yep um what uh, <laughs> what
2: what piece of technology has helped your business the most <laughs> docu-sign <laughs> uh, there you go absolutely
1: <laughs> it's terrible to say but it has made my life so much easier. Yeah. Well, you definitely. know,
2: uh, and, and I came down here, I, I'm Canadian, so I had an opportunity to check out uh, DocuSign. Uh, in Canada, we still do the paper-based, you know, facts back and forth, the scr- chicken scratches, scratchy, yeah. scratchy, scratchy, scratchy. By the time some of the negotiations are over, especially on my last one.
1: You can't um, read anything.
2: You can't read anything. Yeah. It's like, uh, I think this is all right. I don't know. I can't even read it anymore. and. <laughs> Wow it's like um, I don't know uh, you know if there was any challenges in the past but I can imagine some of the uh, maybe lawsuits or, or things that could happen if if it's not legible and and how do you fight that you know and, and, yep. and I would agree with you probably has increased some efficiencies in your uh, in your business by doing that because that was my first time experiencing that in real estate because um, not that I sold a lot of homes uh, in Canada uh, but I you know was involved in a you know few transactions anyway and i just remember looking at you know especially um well actually not so much the last one because i sold but the one when i was buying um the house that i sold man it, you know i'm a negotiator so it, it went back and forth and it was one o'clock in the morning by the time it was all done yeah. it done but uh it was it was a real mess um yeah. so i can i can see that i can see that well, yeah. there, you you passed the test. All great questions. But uh, I know Alan has one last question as we're creeping up on the hour. And, uh, again, I just want to say, Claire, thank you so much. It's always great to get different perspective, um, you know, certainly different industries. Uh, by all means, uh, real estate is uh, something of interest to a lot of people, whether you're, you're um, you know, buying or selling. And uh, it's always great to get some uh, good insight from uh, some of your um uh, your stature and uh, someone who can come in and, uh you know, give us some, uh some insight from, you know, both sides. I mean, I think you did a great job of, of doing that. So thank you so much for taking the time out, Alan. It's that time. We at man.
0: That time? We're at that time. Okay. That time. Time. Well, wake up, I- wake up Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I only had one cup of coffee today and it is cold. So I'm kind of, kind of cocooning here. So I, if anybody knows what that is, then I am, I am in my, uh, my cotton wool cocoon um anyway i digress uh working tr- i have one and a half questions so i have a half Do a it. question i have a half a question <laughs> let's go, i want to go back to this docusign thing when you're signing a yeah. contract usually they're always witnessed right i mean that's half the reason no. for what, signing something is witnessed so no. when a docu-sign how can it be witnessed it can't can it
1: nope there's no uh-uh. no you don't have to have a witness on a contract it is um, insane how easily you can do contracts now with DocuSign. Yeah, I can send it, you sign it, in 30 seconds it comes back to me and it's done. Um, the final closing where you're actually signing the trust deed and the note and all of that fun stuff, we can't yeah. do that via electronic signatures still. Um, but all the other stuff does not need a witness and nor, nor does it have to be, um, actual wet signatures. So yeah, it's gotcha. crazy.
0: Only, only the final, only the final. That, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Otherwise it would slow things down. Okay. So good education for Alan there. All right. Well, we're on the last question here. And I appreciate your diligence in answering that very, very articulately. Claire, that
1: was fantastic. <laughs> my
0: pleasure. Uh, one last question. We always like to leave the audience with uh, something that uh, that they can. Well, we don't we don't leave, but we ask our guests to leave the audience with something they can implement today that they can go out and do right now to, uh, you know, hopefully, as from an entrepreneur perspective, make their life or their business better, more efficient, maybe more effective, maybe more economic. So, uh, from your genius zone, what one thing would you like to leave with the audience with today that could do one of those things?
1: You know, for me personally, I will say it's not going to be anything mind-blowing, but I think it's just another back to basics. I find... um, for me and for most people, there's something on your list that you're avoiding and you're doing a bunch of other stuff instead of it. I'd start the day with whatever, whatever that thing is on your list that you've been dreading that you don't want to do. Just start it, do five minutes of it, and then if you don't finish it, that's fine, but just do five minutes of it and come back to it day after day for a week and see where you get.
0: So pull the tooth. Yep. I like that.
1: Or just, or just kind of pull at it for a little bit. <laughs> I've I've got a little trick. I've got a little trick that I'll um, trick myself every morning. Uh, that thing on my list that I'm like, oh gosh, I so don't want to do that. I'll give. I'll set myself a timer of 15 minutes, and if I. If it's painful for 15 minutes, I get to stop. But normally what happens for me, at least, is those 15 minutes go up and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much easier than I thought it was going to be. Why have I putting this been, I've been putting this off for months or years or however long I've been putting it off for? Um, and then you actually get it done. And it's such a weight off your shoulder. So just start it, I would say. Those, those would be my, instead of just do it, just start it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nike.
2: Yeah right. Yeah exactly. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I, yeah, I, been. I really enjoyed this um, chat with you, uh, Claire. Uh, please uh, be sure to connect with us. We're going to put you in a special group, and you know it's going to be uh, it's re- going to be really great. Hey, what's going uh, on? Alan, uh, thanks um, for uh, checking in, and uh, we'll
0: catch up soon, my friend. Hey, yeah, but before we go, Claire, how can people get a hold of you? What's the best way yeah, for them um, to get you- a hold of you?
1: you can look at my website, parisgrouprealty.com, or you can email me, Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E, at parisgrouprealty.com. Thanks so much, you guys, for having me. This was super fun. I really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. You
0: You bet. You bet. We're glad we had you on. We're going to be going live here next year. Would you come back on for a live show, maybe a call-in show where uh, others can put you right on the spot?
1: Oh, I would love that. Excellent. That sounds like that sounds super fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I think we can do that. I think we can do that. Hey, Chris, you want to take us home? You got it. Thank you, everyone, for uh, jumping on and, and you know sticking through uh,
2: the show and and you know learning. I hope you took uh, notes in your journal. You guys are awesome. Thanks for the questions. Uh, if you have any or you want a guest to come on, info at thinkboldbebold.com. dot com. Alan and I will certainly um, uh, scour and, and find them and get them on the show. Uh, we've got some great guests coming soon. And uh, we appreciate um, your support, and it's just been uh, an amazing ride. Uh, One-year anniversary. We, uh, we're just really uh, excited. So thank you for that. And wouldn't be a show without me saying, do something nice for someone today.